You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to Creatives Making Money. Today, I have the incredible Brittany Bullen here with me. If you don't know Brittany, Brittany is the author of Personality Marketing, Join Your Industries A-List by Embracing Your Inner Nerd. Brittany's mission in life is to help you sell more stuff, serve more people, and change more freaking lives, and have a lot more fun in the process. So as you can imagine, she and I should be best friends. Brittany's courses, events, and coaching programs help entrepreneurs from a variety of fields use their unique passions and personalities to create authentic, effective marketing videos and ads. If you want a marketing strategy that feels like the very best version of you and also makes you a lot of money, then Brittany is the nerd for you. Hi, Brittany. Hello. I'm so excited to talk to you today. (laughs) The feeling is mutual. Um, so I love that you're all about having fun. So I feel like this has to be the most fun interview ever. And I don't mean that in a pressury way. I mean that in like just sharing my enthusiasm for having time with you way. Yay. Okay. Well, I'll try to bring the fun also and enthusiasm and all the good things. You'll bring the noise and the funk. Yes. I always bring the funk with me. Everywhere, everywhere you go. I keep it it in a little funk bag for for you. It's like a a funk fanny pack, which we'll be selling (laughs) some swag at the end of this interview. So you can take your funk with you everywhere you go. Fanny pack full of funk to go. (laughs) So (laughs) we're just going to end up telling jokes this whole interview and me not get to any actual content. Just kidding, audience. We have good things to share. I'm curious, like... So what does nerd mean to you? What is the, to you, what is the definition of nerd? Because that's like your thing. Yes. Nerdiness is a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, let me tell you the origin story of the nerdiness. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, it was really this kind of like arbitrary brand that I created before I knew anything about branding. It was legit. Like I need something for this writer company. Like when we started, we were writers for hire. And so I was just like browsing through some clip art and I found this girl with little glasses and it was like, I had all these, these like this batch of like stay at home moms who were going to be content writers for hire. And I was like, Oh, nerdy girl. Cause it's like hire a nerd. And like, we're, we'll get nerdy about your business. And like, I don't know, I didn't think much about it. But then when that business, like when I, you know, kind of got to the point where I was like, this isn't the business I want to be in. We kind of had this cute little iconography Thing with the pink glasses and I was like well I wear glasses and I have some and I could spray paint them pink and kind of like become the nerdy girl um 
because I didn't really want to have to figure out new branding. So I just kind of like symbolically like put the glasses on and then I got thinking because I, you know, being a marketer at heart, I started thinking about like, what does that even mean? And like nerdiness and is that still important? And if it is like, why? And, and what I realized was it actually kind of is like, it's, it's kind of the source of my powers (laughs) that I have now that I've, you know, built this amazing business that I never set out to build just kind of by following my nerdiness. Like I just, it's always, every choice that I've made in my business has been as a result of like, I have, it's like this feeling you get, and I'm sure you can relate to this where like, you're really excited about something and you're kind of curious about it. And you just go down this rabbit hole and just like learn everything there is to learn about that thing, like sales copywriting, which I studied writing in school, but I didn't know anything about marketing, but I was like, I all of a sudden somebody opened up this world of like direct response marketing to me. And I was like, this is awesome. And I just had to like get my hands on it and learn everything about it. And then it's like, Oh, and pay-per-click advertising. And I was like, Ooh, awesome. Like I got to know everything about that. And I feel like that feeling is at this, at the root of like all great business success stories. And so that's really what I teach people is like not the conventional sense of like pocket protectors and like, video games nerd, but like whatever it is that gives you that feeling, that's nerdiness. And that's where everybody's superpower is to be found. To go down the rabbit hole of things that you get so and so excited about that you'll be up all night, not realize how the time has passed because you're just so into it. Exactly. I love it. Nerdiness. How do you like guide your clients to discover their nerdiness? Do you feel, do they like show up and they kind of know what their nerdiness is or do you feel like some people are not are like not really embracing their inner nerd enough I feel like I feel like everybody kind of is and everybody kind of isn't Mm -hmm. you know what I mean I feel like that's why coaching is such a powerful thing because particularly women I think deal with this but I mean every entrepreneur I think to a certain extent deals with this where it's like you feel excited about something but the more the more you care about it, like you're emotionally invested in it, the more precious it becomes and the more scared you become to really go for it. Because it's a lot easier to just kind of plug yourself into somebody else's proven system, somebody else's model and say, well, I'm just going to do it like they do. And then I'm going to be successful, but nobody gets successful that way. So then it's a whole lot scarier when you're like, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to like go for who I really am. But it's like, what if who I am is wrong? You know what I mean? Like it's a really scary thing to follow that. And I know that, you know, from your own experience, what that feels like to just kind of throw caution to the wind and just follow your nerdiness, you know, like you need somebody to kind of be, be that little shoulder angel to be like, no, really like this is okay. And it's not only okay, but you have to, you have to, and you can't go halfway. You know what I mean? So many people are like, Hey, I want to be a coach. And I I actually, the reason I'm saying this is because I had a conversation with a client today who was going through this exact thing. Like she she kind of, you know, went all in with coaching, but she hasn't gone all in with her message where she's like trying to, she's still trying to fit this kind of corporate cookie cutter persona when she's also like into the woo woo stuff and like energy healing stuff. And I had no idea, like from our first conversation, she never even mentioned it because it was so, she was so afraid that that was going to be a wrong move, that she wasn't even willing to talk about it. Oh, wow. Um, but it's, I just think that's those moments are so juicy for me as a coach when people are like, oh, but if I could really like, that's why it's on all my sales calls. And I was like, what, what would you do if you could do anything? Because the answer to that is probably the, what you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Wait, so. so what, what was her answer to that then? It's so funny because, she, well, 
I don't know that the names will be changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> no, 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 no names, no names. But the funny thing is like, she answered her own question. Like, I don't know if I even asked a question, but she just kind of, I think, I think as a coach, you just kind of show up and you hold space and then you let people kind of coach themselves. You know what I mean? Like she totally just handed this to me. She's like, what about this? And I've been thinking about this. And what if I tried this? And I'm like, Hmm, well, what if you made a video about it? And she's like, yes, that's exactly what I was like. It was all her. It was all her. I didn't really do anything. I just, I just really look at my clients and I see that anything's possible for them. And I, I've done this enough times to know that doing it exactly the way you want to do it, whatever it might be, is the most effective way. Cause I've seen you try both ways, you know, and when I say you, I mean everybody. And it's like, it's like a book that you know the ending to. It's like, yeah, I know how this ends. Like, just do what you want to do. Trust me, it's going to be okay. Yeah. So, yeah. But you have to say very little to get somebody there. You just have to, I feel like you just kind of show up and believe it. And then they just somehow pick up on it and they're like, oh yeah, like I can have fun. Mm-hmm. Especially when you bring the fun to the mix too. Yes. Like when you show up with that energy, then it's infectious. And then they're like, oh my God, I actually am so excited about this. And you're so excited about it with me. And let's be excited together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. I was having this conversation with a client earlier about like a launch that they're working on and that they're like, there's so many formulas out there. And I said, look, I want you to be dedicated to the formula that feels good. And I know you want to experiment with this and see how it goes. And don't forget to listen to your intuition. Cause like you can trust that through this, because if, if you're like desiring or feeling called to do something different than what the formula is, then that's probably the, the smarter move. Yes. Absolutely. If you follow a formula and it doesn't feel good and then and then nothing works out, it's so much more painful than following your intuition, even if the result is the same. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and it's just it's faster. You know what I mean? Like your intuition isn't gonna always be right in the sense that it's not gonna always give you the result you thought you were gonna mm-hmm. get, but it is always right in the sense that it always gets you ultimately where you were supposed to go. You know, I mean, in, I mean, I guess if we're going to get super woo about it, you're always Let's do it. where you're supposed to be. But like, I mean, that's how I, how I actually feel. Like whether you're making the quote unquote right decision or the quote unquote wrong decision, like I don't actually believe that's a thing. I just feel like everybody's exactly where they're supposed to be. Everything's unfolding perfectly as it's supposed to. But I just think if I, I, and I don't really believe in regrets, but like if I had my business to start all over again, I would just, I would put a lot less weight on other people's systems and formulas, you know, and put a lot more, a lot more stock in my own. Was there a time that you kind of followed someone's formula and felt like it wasn't the right move for you? All the time. All the time. You know, it's funny, like back when I was a one woman show, and I think at that time I had an assistant, maybe two people on my team, and I had no clue what I was doing. I was just like, I, I barely, I was like a noob in the internet marketing world. And I was like, maybe I'll do this and I'll do this. And I'll just like put this course together on like a WordPress site. And I had no tools and I had no course and I had no idea what I was doing. And it, and it worked so much better than like the next time around when I tried to launch a thing and I knew so much more and I had this like 12 person team and it was just like crazy and complicated. And like five, six people had to sign off on the funnel before it was quote unquote done. And it tanked. And it tanked. And I was like, how is this happening? And it, and I really think it was an energetic thing. Like, I really just think I was, I had this, 
it kind of started being this, when I started, it was this playful, like low stakes, like, I'm just going to kind of, you know, see what this is all about. And I just kind of looked onto this course. It was my first course I ever sold called, well, not, not my first, my second, my second course called Captivate on Camera. And it just sold like crazy. And then all of a sudden in my head, I just built it up to be like, this is the thing and this is the dream and it has to scale. And scale was this like scary word that I didn't understand. And it felt really important at the time and I didn't know how to do it, but I, I just read all these like really high level, like executive -y business books. And I'm like, I got to get the right people on the bus. And so I like hired all these people and I didn't know the thing about hiring anybody. And I was like, how much do you want to be paid? And they're like this much. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but I was just so, I just got so like all in my head about it. It's like, this is what success look like. looks like. You have this big team and you have these like huge launches and blah, blah, blah. And, and it just, it didn't work for me. And I was, and I had this kind of like, I feel like every entrepreneur has a million of these, these kinds of like dark night of the soul moments that you're like, what is my life? Like, what am I doing? And like, every time I've been in that state, it's always been like, oh, right. I'm supposed to have a good time. Oh, right. I'm supposed to just like, feel good about my plan instead of waiting for somebody else to tell me my plan is good. You know, but I think we do that. Like the more precious it becomes, the more we want to offload the responsibility of choice onto somebody who we trust more than ourselves. And it's just generally not a good move. Yep. And it's funny because I've seen the offloading sometimes happen with like woo woo too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, sure. I didn't, I didn't make this decision. This was like, not even me. And like, there's guidance I've received where I'm like, it's not me. It's not me. But then I catch myself and I'm like, it's important to take responsibility for your decisions and your choices and yes. your free will and like all of that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. A lot of people like in, in coachy land, they really misunderstand that because I've had like, I feel like it's important to own not just the good experiences that you've had, but also the bad ones as having their own unique value, you know, like people investing in coaches and feeling like the only way that this will have been a good investment is if I get at least, that much or twice or five times that much back in a certain time frame, And I love like best investments I've ever made in my business have been in coaching. Some of them have paid off big time. Other ones, like I couldn't find an ROI. Like if I were to paint a picture of it, you know, like there's just no way, but the ROI is like, you get just as much return on your investment from learning what you don't want as you do from learning what you do want and what doesn't work as you do from learning what does work. So I think it's important to, to be aware of that as well. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I love that we're talking about this because I think that this is such a hot topic when people are making investments to receive support in their business, whatever that looks like, and it could be different things. And the question when you're looking at it for business is always like, well, what's the return on investment? And, um, you know, financially speaking, like financial return is only one type of return. And I think that it's easy for us to forget that like the lessons that we receive and all of that stuff is just as valuable. So I love mm -hmm. that you're talking about that and that we're already, I love that we're already talking about money. <laughs> Let's keep talking about money. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Yes. My way. Was, was receiving money ever an issue for you? Like early in business, do you have any memories of that? Like, I'm curious if that was ever a challenge receiving money um, or asking for it or just kind of like, what was the transition of, you know, starting your own business like for you? Well, so what I came from was um, I, 
before I started my business, I was a writer. I was um, I wrote a couple plays and a musical, and uh, we took my musical to the New York Musical Theater Festival, which was super awesome. Um, and then it got picked up by the Boston Conservatory, and they did it the next year. And I didn't make a cent. I mean, I think we lost like tens of thousands of dollars producing it because we had to front all the costs ourselves. And but it was awesome. You know, it was like worth every penny. But at the end of it, it was just and that's that's the theater business. It's like you do a show and it's just and I know you know this from screenwriting. It's like when it's over, it's just over. And you're like, okay, now what? You know, you're basically like starting from scratch again. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. So when I started my business, I think I was just so ready to make money that I was like, I don't really care what I do. I just want money. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why we started writing. I was like, what can I do that people will pay me for? Okay, I can write. Okay, who wants writing? Okay, my husband's company wants blog posts. Okay, I'll write those. And then I wrote like two of them. And I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> so then I was like, who can I get to write these? And at that time, like, it wasn't even so much that I wanted to keep the money. I just wanted to see some money moving around for somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean, like just just some some show of exchange of value that like all the work that I'm doing is worth something to someone. And so at that point, it I don't I don't think the whole asking for money, receiving money, it was never really an issue for me. I never really felt any shame about that. Um, and maybe it's just because I was raised by a, an entrepreneur um, that that wasn't a weird thing for me. I think I was always kind of weirdly expected to make lots of money. Um, and so I think I, if anything, I had like the opposite problem. It was like never enough, you know? I feel you girl. <laughs> I feel you. What do you, what is the hardest part of entrepreneurship for you? <sighs> I think the hardest part is not getting caught up in all the supposed tos. There are just so many. There's just so many supposed tos and most, I mean, they're all self-imposed really, but there's, it's, it's hard. I think sometimes to be very involved in what's happening. Cause like for, for me, for the work that I do in marketing, like I have to be aware of what's happening. I have to be on social media if I'm going to understand social media. And it's just this constant, you know, I call this afterness where like you're seeing all this after stuff of like, look at all this crap ton of money I just made and look at like all these results that I'm getting in of all these things. And it's, and it's, you re, you look at people's highlights and all you can think about is your lowlights. You know, it's like you forget all the awesome stuff you've done and it, none of it feels like enough. And it's this constant kind of having to remind yourself. It used to be for me having to remind myself, Oh, look at all this other stuff you've done. Look, see, you can prove, you can prove that you're legit. But what I realized and what I have been learning recently is that even that kind of sets you up to be disappointed because if you need proof, then it's, then it's never going to feel like enough. Like learning that you have to kind of find this intrinsic sense of self-worth that is unconditional is very contrary to like 99% of the messages that we're getting in our society. So, I mean, I think it's not just a challenge of entrepreneurship. It's really just like the challenge of life. And, and I think what you're pointing to is when you, when you work in marketing, you can't, you, you, there's less ability for you to kind of shield yourself from it because you're embedded mm -hmm. in it all the fucking time. You are. And it's really, you know, it's so funny. I bet you, I bet you could relate to this because I have so many clients and I, and I steer this way myself sometimes where it's like, you get to this kind of like enlightened place where you don't want to go to the, like meet them at their pain point kind of messaging. You just want to be like, everything you're doing is great and everything's fine and you don't need me and you don't need anything. You're wonderful as you are. You know what I mean? And then your marketing brain's over here being like, but guess what? That doesn't work. <laughs> and so you have to kind of straddle that line of like 
actually telling the truth and doing what you know as a marketer will actually perform and give people like give people the sense of awareness that it's going to take to get them from where you used to be to where you are now, which is meeting them where they actually are and not where, how you see them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Do you believe that, that, that those things are diametrically opposed? That like the truth and what works in marketing can't like that you can't be honest and have it be effective marketing at the same time? Oh no. I think, I think you can, and I think it's important too, but I think it's just harder. I think you just have to your marketing game must be strong, you know, to be able to do both. And it's, it's an art and a science. And I get totally nerdy about it because I do think like I have this very kind of utopian vision that it's like, it has to be possible. Um, And it is, and it is, and it does work sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't, (laughs) you know? So then you have to be like, okay, now what? But it's, I mean, I'm certainly up to the challenge. It's, It's an exciting challenge. Can you think of a time that you kind of tried that and felt like it didn't work or, or helped a client kind of figure that out and it didn't work or it didn't um, work well, the way you wanted it to work? Like, I'm curious, <laughs> I'm kind of curious to hear if there are benchmarks in that journey of bringing truth and like effective marketing together in your experience. Well, okay. So here's what I'll say about that. I think I probably the most relevant example would be something that I just poured my heart and soul into that. Like I had no idea, I had no agenda, I had no funnel, I had no plan with it. I made a music video that was a cover of You Will Be Found from Dear Evan Hansen. And it was like, it had footage of a whole bunch of people from my audience and like everybody was like sharing messages of like, you're enough, like flashing them on the screen. And I juxtaposed that with footage from my event. And like, it was just so warm and fuzzy and touchy-feely and I just loved it. And I, and I was trying to build this community of like kind of like a support group for entrepreneurs and it was awesome. And it went, went, you know, somewhat semi-viral and it got lots of really good attention. But at the end of the day, nobody wanted to exchange money for anything. You know what I mean? Like there was just not, there was not really like a sellable product there. I don't know that that's to say that people don't want help with personal development, but I feel like I feel like really the answer is just being very clear about your value proposition. I think sometimes people get really kind of on a messaging, like moral high horse, you know, which is kind of what I was like, I just wanted to like spread warm fuzzies to everyone. And and some people are like, it can't be about the money at all. And I can't have a call to action. And I do think there's a balance. Um, And I think that's kind of what was missing there was that the, the value proposition was not clear. It wasn't clear who it was for. It wasn't clear even really what it was. Um, so I think that was kind of where I missed the mark on that. I was just like, I was in like warm, fuzzy land and I forgot. <laughs> I like switched my marketing brain off. So I always like, I don't, do you do this where you like flip flop back and forth between like strict brand awareness and like hardcore direct response just because it's like a game and you want to win it? I, so my approach to marketing is, is different than yours. Um, and for me, I feel like where that shows up or what I describe that as like the, what the, the tension for me is it's between the part of me that is completely intuitive and the part of me that is highly strategic. So for me, it is like head versus heart and Mm -hmm. the, like the knowing of, Oh, like this just feels really good. And something can be strategic and still be aligned with like, Oh, this feels really good. It's not contracted. Like my body feels open. Okay, great. Let's Mm -hmm. do this. Uh-huh. But like, for me, it's, it's, am I thinking about it too hard? Is it so much strategy? 
and, and finding that balance where like, it's not so strategic and complex. Like it's simple enough that it's just like clicks, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's how that shows up for me. But <laughs> I think everyone struggles with it. And I think that, I think it's a big challenge, especially, and I think it's a big challenge in all, for every creative entrepreneur, you know, whether they're a coach or whether they have a jewelry business or whether they, you know, sell, they have an e-commerce shop selling something else or, you know, anything, you know, if you're coming from a place where you genuinely have a mission where you believe that you're doing good in the world, I think that there's always some conflict around pushing someone to make a purchase or guiding someone through a buying decision when it might not, when that doesn't necessarily feel 100% aligned with your values, even though the value you're delivering to your client is 100% aligned with your values. Yes. And I think that's just a common struggle. You know, I think that that's, that's that. Yeah. You know, there is a really great Eckhart Tolle quote that I'm going to totally butcher right now that has kind of guided my, like, into 2019 philosophy on marketing that's something to the tune of, if the means like if the means do not contribute to human happiness, neither will the ends, something like that, that I just love. And I feel like that's marketing at its best is when you, you look at a piece of marketing collateral, whether that's an ad, a video, a webinar or whatever, and just think like, might this contribute to human happiness in some way? And I feel like if it does, that's a really good barometer for, you know, kind of tempering your strategic direct response brain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm with you. For anyone who's listening and has no idea what direct response is. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, kidding. don't apologize because I'm with <laughs> you and I'm just like, I'm like, we're having coffee. We're having a conversation about the things that we're nerdy about. Is that okay? Okay, great. Thanks for listening, guys. For anyone who's listening who doesn't know what direct response is, it's basically getting people to hit the buy button. It's every, it's all of the, it's all of the stuff that you do online that gets people to take an immediate action that is different than copy that you would see in other types of marketing. So like a billboard or a commercial where it's just basically like, this is our stuff, you know, versus like an infomercial where you might see that's like, call this number and buy now. And yes, no, it's just a lot more action driven. Yes. So like they want you to actually like hit the buy button, pick up the phone, do the thing. That's direct response. It is inspiring immediate action. So, yes. you know, we like to get people to do shit. That's really what that's yeah. about. We just like mm-hmm. to feel like powerful, powerful people getting getting other people to do things. Bending them to our evil will. <laughs> <laughs> do you still dabble in theater? Like, where are you at with that right now? Oh, man. Talk to me about your theater so journey. Let's talk I about that. So this is creators making money. So let's talk about let's talk about your theater life. Well, so there is a really amazing uh, local theater that I've worked at um, several times and done some really amazing shows. I'm a musical theater gal. Um, and so I did, I did quite a few shows um, when my boys were younger. And then for whatever reason, I, well, I say for whatever reason, I guess I, my business is the reason that I just kind of like hopped off the theatrical train and just kind of went whole hog into business land. And uh, the last time I'd done a show, the last time I did a show, I was pregnant with Steve, who is my not most recent baby, but my second to most recent baby. And he's now five. So it's been five years since I've been on, not on stage, but since I've been in a show. And I, I've been to several auditions since, but not been cast in anything, mostly because I'm picky and I won't do ensemble anymore because I'm too old. Um, <laughs> but 
I have I have very high hopes that I'll be on a stage again sometime in the near future. I actually recently just got back into voice lessons, which has been so wonderful. And I think it's like better than therapy. Just like go and sing for a while. Like even if nothing comes of it, it's the most wonderful thing in the world. So I miss it. My husband, that's how we met. We met in the show. Um, and so he's been doing theater. And actually my oldest son has been doing theater with him. They're at rehearsal right now for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, so that's super cute and fun. That and he's like so a dad. He's like the biggest stage dad. It's hilarious. He's like so into it. <laughs> um, so cute. So, so that's really fun. And, and I'm hoping to get back on stage soon. I really like, and this is, you asked earlier, what's, what the biggest challenge has been with entrepreneurship. And I think kind of what I'm coming out of right now is like realizing that you don't have to actually be working nonstop to be successful. And I have a lot of like, I have a lot of like hustle shame. And it's funny, I was just right before I came on, on here, I was finishing up a post about that, about how silly it was that like, I already have like two weeks worth of videos and podcast episodes queued up. I have ads running right now that are profitable and fine. Sales are coming in, clients are coming in. I have more than enough money. And it's still, I'm like so restless sitting here playing Angry Birds with my son. Like I'm supposed to do something because you can't be successful if you're not always doing something to be more successful. And it's, it's like a drug. Like I, I really, I, I have to be very conscious of it so it doesn't get out of hand. What do you think would make a difference for you? Well, I mean, like, a lot of shut that off or change that. Well, it's not so much. I don't, I'm kind of over the idea that one day I'm just going to be over it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not waiting for some magical day that that thought no longer enters my brain. But now that I've done so much personal development work and hired coaches and worked with so many people to like figure out life, what I realize about that is that it's just a thought. I don't have to pay attention to it. I don't have to listen to it. It doesn't have to like get a parade every time it comes into my head. I can just be like, no, like, well, we'll think about you later. You know, like it doesn't have to have a ton of bearing on my decisions. And I think there's a lot of like misunderstanding about personal development in general and about kind of like our, our personal spiritual journeys that like there's some point where like you never have challenging thoughts ever again and you never have to like re-remember the stuff that you've learned ever again like I that's just the human condition like stuff pops up you have like years and years of conditioned thought patterns that may or may not ever stop showing up and that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or that you need like hours and days and months and years of intense like crazy healing therapies like maybe you just need to be like hey thank you thought like have a nice day I'm gonna focus on this other one that's not a little friendlier to me you know like just one one moment at a time is really all I can do to tackle it. I love that. And I think it's so true. And, and I love that you're calling that out because I think that there is, it's interesting how easily the the personal development industry, which is focused on helping people become happier, healthier, more spiritually enlightened, release a lot of the shit that's not serving them, how easily you can also be triggered into shame that yes. you're not doing it right because you're having yes. a bad day or because you yes. haven't thought or be, and it's like, it's this mm-hmm. irony to me where you can take your perfectionism and your addiction, like, and put it into per and put it into your fascination with becoming a better human being. Yeah. You really can. Better or being happier. And it's just the yeah. most ridiculous yeah. thing ever. Well, because like all this like law of attraction stuff is like, just feel good. And if you don't feel good, then all this bad stuff's going to start to happen to you. And then it's your fault. Asshole. And then it's your fault. You know what I mean? Like it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And then you just like feel bad about feeling bad. And then you feel worse. And then it's like this spiral. 
And that was, that was hard for me for a really long time until I got to this place where I was like, oh, actually like trying to fight the negative feelings is like making them a million times worse. So I'm just going to let them happen. And if it means that I just like get nothing productive done in a day and I just like cry for a little while, like it's fine. It's fine. I'm human. You know, people do those things and it's not a big deal. So I mean, I do it every day. So I'm with you. 100%. <laughs> I you don't cry every day. Do you cry every day? I mean, lately I have been, but it's not all the time. It's not every day, but I'm, I'm an easy crier. Like you could make me cry in two me seconds. Me too. And if someone me else too. is sad and they're not feeling their feelings, I'll cry for them. So Aww. I'm just that person. That's it's so okay. nice of you. That's so it's- nice of you that you would do that for <laughs> I do what I can, you know? <laughs> Next time I feel like crying, I'm just going to call you and be like, Jamie, will you cry these tears for me? Because I don't have time. You're, well, I mean, if it's time you don't have, I can't help you with that. But if it's the fact that you can't quite access it yet, you, you're welcome to call me. No, unfortunately, access to tears has never been a problem for me. I, I can pretty much find them when I need them or usually when I don't need them. But anyway, yeah, I mean, we're just girls. We're just having girly moments. Not that boys don't cry. Boys can cry too. Sorry. Pardon. Hashtag feminism. Hashtag womanism. Hashtag not sexism. Hashtag everyone cries. Everybody can cry and that's okay. Sorry, I'm a mom of boys and it's okay for them to cry too. Everybody gets to cry. Yes. Yeah. Tears for everyone. Tears for everyone. So um, in addition to making your sons cry this year, what's another big goal you have? <laughs> <laughs> oh, We're boy. having a terrible time. This is the worst. <laughs> you know what's really funny is that I'm kind of over goals. I just don't <laughs> I just don't care. I mean, I used to have these like crazy, huge, like world domination goals and like huge stadiums full of people I wanted to fill and like all this stuff that I that I have wanted in the past, like, would be cool. It would still be cool to experience those things. But like, I'm just kind of over needing much of anything. You know, my goal is to have a nice life, (laughs) you know, just to like, be happy and choose nice thoughts more than I choose thoughts that are sad. You know, that's like all I ever really want to do is just choose happy thoughts and enjoy where I am, wherever that might be. So that's what I'm doing. And it's going really well. I love that. I'm living the dream right now. Like I just, (laughs) it's funny, you know, I, I've had some really high highs in my business and I've had some really low lows. And what I realized about the two is that there's really no difference as far as like the emotional content of those moments. It really just comes down to the thoughts that you choose at any given time. And it's really, really amazing discovery when you really get that because you get that, like, there's nothing to do. There's nothing to accomplish. It's all right there. You know, like the experience of whatever it is that you think you're supposed to chase to get what you want. Like that's, it's right there. It's like, just, just take it, you know? And it's like super empowering, but it's kind of, it makes for a kind of boring answer as far as goals go. <laughs> it's like, I don't care. <laughs> just whatever happens, it's going to be awesome. Well, it's good. And your answer is actually, so, it's not boring. It's really juicy because what you're, what you're talking about is, it's really about like our relationship to uncertainty and how something you can have a terrible day in business and tomorrow could be a great day and you actually don't know what tomorrow is going to be. But if you sit in that and make it mean something and think something terrible about like yourself, your life, what you're going through, then it blows up into something that just feels so much shittier than it has to. And we can choose differently by choosing different thoughts, which is super super juicy and not boring at all. <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome. It's actually like the greatest news in the whole wide world. Cause I like, I always bring it back to like, so best day in my business ever was like a more than a six figure day. 
and it was at my event and like I sold a mastermind and a whole bunch of people bought it and it was a killer and awesome. And I was just on this high and I was like, this feels amazing. I can't believe like nothing would ever feel as good. And then I like had this conversation with my dad and he said, I don't even remember what he said, but he said something that like kind of swept my legs out from under me and like helped, like made me feel like two inches tall. Like he has a special way of doing. And the next thing I knew, I just felt like the biggest imposter slash failure in the whole wide world. And that was when I realized that like, there is no quantity of dollars in the bank that is going to prevent me from feeling this way if I don't learn how to handle my own brain. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, there's nothing external that's going to give that to you. It's totally an inner game. Mm -hmm. What kind of business was your father in or is your father in Um, that you, that you were kind of raised, that you were kind of raised with entrepreneurship as, as was I, by the way like all the businesses he's he's an investor and so like it was just a million different things it was like medical supplies it was like the colored cast it was like a million different things so but it was always like big businesses well not always but like for as long as I can remember it was like these big businesses and that's why I think like the scaling thing was such like a an emotional stumbling block for me because it wasn't enough like how many times did he say the words, oh, it's just like a little lifestyle business. Like lifestyle business was like this trigger word for me. And I was like, no, no, it's real. Like it has to be huge. Um, and it's just, I think, I think that's why the goal thing had to kind of go for me personally. It's just for a lot of people, like goals get them super fired up. And for me, they just feel like prison, you know, it, it just wasn't healthy for me, you know? It's so interesting how, um, you know, when you talk about, news feeds being flooded with like the after, you know, the after is such a relative thing. And I have to remind myself of this too, but like what you're talking about is, is what I'm hearing is like, you're comparing the size and scale of your business to like what your dad's done or what he's doing. And because mm-hmm. that's in your face and, and right there for you, it's kind of impossible. It's kind of impossible not to in, yeah. some, in some ways. So you have to kind of choose and navigate your thoughts around it, which is, challenging, but it's, it's funny because I'm sitting here going, there are so many people listening to this podcast who would like, just be so excited to be as successful as you are. You know what I mean? And I look at you and I'm like, you're a badass. Like I'm obsessed with you. Thank you. And I think it's just so funny how we can't, it's like, you can't really objectively see where you are on your path at any given time. Right. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's so true. And it's really, it's one of those things that everybody says they know, but like they know it intellectually, but like in their hearts, they're like, but, but still, I'm never going to be enough. Like that's, it's like the human condition. We all do it to ourselves. And I think it is comforting to know that like, even people you think have like got it all figured out are still just like whiny babies at, <laughs> at the end of the day. They're like, what's my life? <laughs> <laughs> yup. <laughs> yeah. And having the money doesn't change that. Let me tell you, exactly. I know so many exactly. miserable, successful people. So yeah. many. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Like, I mean, success is good. (laughs) You know, it's okay to be successful, but like, it's not worth delaying your self-worth, delaying your happiness until some external thing happens because it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Is there, I'm curious. Okay. So wait, back that up, back that up, reverse it, erase it. I'm starting that question over. Okay. Deleted. Delete, delete. Um, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like, oh my God, yes. Oh my God. And one being like, no. How creatively fulfilled do you feel in your business and life? I don't know that there is an answer to that that stays the same like 
in any 30 minute window. Like you'd have to ask me that every 30 minutes to get an accurate, like I could plot like a, a table. There would be like some sort of a graph that I would, and we'd have to like find the mean of, of all the answers because it fluctuates so crazy, like a roller coaster, you know? Like sometimes I just think it's the greatest thing in the whole wide world. And like probably two out of seven days a week, I'm like, this sucks, I quit. I quit right now. I quit everything. And it feels so good and cathartic to say that, but I know I'm never going to do it because it's like the, um, on the mean, on the average of the graph, I actually really do love my job. And I love, I mean, I, there's just so much more to love about it than there is to not love um, that I don't think I'll ever stop because I just, I really am actually super nerdy about helping people have more success. I just can't imagine doing anything else unless, I don't know. Somebody offered me a role in like a Broadway show. Maybe I would quit for that. But <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, no. Would you? <laughs> I probably would. I probably would. My husband would make me. He'd be, he'd be like, are you insane? <laughs> this is a dream. But I don't, I don't have a whole lot of like Broadway talent scouts knocking at my door <laughs> at the moment. Maybe That's later. Fair. Maybe later. <laughs> Maybe later. They'll call me up. They'll be like, Brittany, we need you. Be like, this is weird. You don't know me. <laughs> how did you find me well we saw your funnel and let me tell you you have the exact skill you need right now oh man if ever anybody is looking for somebody for their broadway show there's a very small funny looking white woman who can sing like a big black woman you call me up because i got you <laughs> this is so helpful to know i'm so glad that we're having this conversation yes, for all your needs of that variety, I will be available. <laughs> Sorry, that was a very no, odd no, answer. No, no, it's not. I mean, look, I'll be, I'll be honest, because I feel like we're just being conversational. Um, I have moments where I ask myself that question all the time with like writing, with screenwriting constantly. Yeah. I'm like, would I quit the business to do this? Would I quit the business for this? Would I quit? And I think about it regularly and yeah. answer hasn't been a yes yet. No, because and I really do love what I do also. And it's yeah. like it all, I'm, I want to do all of it. <laughs> yeah. And you can, and you can, and sometimes it kind of ebbs and flows, but like you, you've kind of, you found your thing, you know, and maybe later it'll be another thing or maybe not. But like for now, it's like, you like it more than you. it's kind of like, it's kind of like in a relationship. It's like, you have this kind of positive emotional override and some days you just want to like slap it in the face and go away. But like, it never lasts all that long. And then like, the, it just keeps pulling you back in, you know, because the awesomeness outweighs the, the unawesomeness until it doesn't. And then, <laughs> you know. Until it doesn't. And then we do. And then we start over again and with a new chapter and a new thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hopefully not new spouses every two weeks. I actually really like my husband for anybody who's wondering. I'm very <laughs> happily married. Thank you. I will remain such hopefully indefinitely. <laughs> I don't think anyone was questioning that from your description <laughs> of relationships when you're like, okay, but everything that's awesome outweighs the negative. And I'm like, well, that's like, that's a great, that's a great way to feel. No, but for real, like I'm married to like the world's greatest human. He has like no faults. It's insane. It seems. And he's also, he's performing too, right? Didn't mm -hmm. he get cast in something last year? Yes. He's done. He's done so many shows in the last few years. He like, he took a big hiatus when I was doing all my theatrical stuff and kind of like the bug went away from him and then he got cast as charlie and charlie brown the musical like a couple like three years ago and he just like he got super into it like he just 
he got so excited and actually so excited to get cast at this theater that he'd been trying to get into for like 10 years that he got like went on this fitness journey and like lost 75 pounds in four months it was insane and like finally got cast at this theater not once but twice back to back that is just like this super prestigious theater super fancy and like he's just he just inspires the crap out of me he's so freaking awesome so that's so life it's a good life i'd like to meet him sometime okay well then you shall mm-hmm. yep sometime maybe I would like to ask you the $5 million question, which is if you had $5 million, just, it just fell in your lap and you were like, Oh, hi, $5 million. What will I do with you today? No strings attached. You could do anything you want with it. What would you do with the money? My Facebook ads, all the Facebook ads. And I will tell you why that is my answer to every single version of this question, no matter how much money it is, because Facebook ads, it's basically just like a little money machine that Mm -hmm. you can just put money in and you get more money out and it's like magical. And it's not always that way, but it is for me because my ads are money and they make lots of money. And what that would enable me to do is whatever the crap I wanted in my business. And it doesn't, and it's funny because it's not that I can't do that now. I could just do more of it. And it's like a game. It's like my favorite little game to play. It's like building little money machines. Like that's probably the piece of my business that no matter what I'm feeling, no matter like how much I want to quit, the, the thing that most reliably like gets me back in the zone is like, Ooh, let's play Facebook ads. Let's see if we can can, like make some money come out of the money machine today. Like I just totally geek out about that. I think it's the most fun thing in the world. Mm -hmm. I love it. Business should be a money machine. Like that's kind of the point (laughs) of a business. It is. Most businesses don't work that way though, unfortunately. What, when you say that, what are you, what are you saying? Well, most businesses don't make money, you know, at the end of the day, when you pay for all your expenses, like it's just, the stats are not too terribly encouraging. um, If that's really all you're in it for. But I don't think, I think people are in entrepreneurship less for the money than they, than they even really know. What do you think you're really in it for? That is a really good question. What am I in it for? What is my life? I, I think I'm just in it for the fun. Like I just really like it. And I, it's like the most fun thing I know how to do that. Well, okay. That doesn't require anybody else to pick me. And I think really that's the biggest draw for me is like, I don't like anybody else getting to have a say in me getting to do what I like to do, you know? And I think as a performer, a lot of, you know, a lot of creatives who are listening, who are performers or artists or whatever, trying to get like discovered or chosen or cast or whatever, like you get, it just wears on you. You know, if that's, if that's your only outlet for expressing your creativity, like waiting for somebody to give you permission to do that is like, just get sick of it, man. It's like, just do what I want. Like, I'm not going to like wait for somebody. And that's why I wrote shows is like, I don't want to wait for somebody to pick me. I'm going to write my dream role and then I'm going to cast myself in it and then I'm going to do it. And I did. And that's just kind of how I like to be because I don't like to, I'm just too impatient to wait to get picked. Yeah. I love that so much. And that was the most beautiful soundbite you could have possibly given. (laughs) Oh, good. See, I didn't even know I was doing that. You're welcome. That was amazing. Um, And it's interesting to me that you don't relate sales to being chosen. Oh, that's true. Huh? I think it's because I'm so cocky about it. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm just so full of my own awesomeness at sales that I just like, it's a foregone conclusion. Like, of course, they're going to give me money unless they're stupid. <laughs> no, that's actually not how I feel. If like, I, I've had enough wrong people give me money to know that not everybody's supposed to, and that's okay too, but that the right people will, because I know how to figure out what people want and sell it to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't really see that as like, oh, ooh, I hope, I hope they pick me. Like, they're going to pick me if they want to, if they need to, if they need this thing. And if not, it's just a game. Like, and I think that's, that's really the way to approach it. Like, no matter what you do, if, you know, you're right. I mean, somebody does have to pick you in a sense, unless you're just like sitting in a cave and like picking your nose. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Business definitely has more consistent wins on a day, on a day to day, week to week, month to month basis than, than auditioning. (laughs) Or like trying to get a screenplay picked up by like a production company. Like that's, that's no joke. That's no joke. I thought for a minute I was going to study. I, I've written a couple of screenplays, but like, man, like I think, I think getting cast in a musical is hard. Trying to get like a screenplay produced. Like that's serious business. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. And like, well, and see, and I get, so from the look on your face, it's like, you feel the same way about that, that I feel about like, of course you're going to buy from me because you know, you're just that legit. And that is a really good feeling. I mean, I have days, I'll be honest, I have days where I don't feel that way. And I have days where I doubt a lot. And that's like, I have, I have days where I think I'm great and days where I doubt and all of that stuff. And I think that it's, for me, it's more than I've, I've put in a lot of years. And I think that where I'm at at this moment in my screenwriting career is just like, okay, like there are things that feel easy, but it's not because they're easy. It's because I've put in 10,000 hours and, and many, many, many years, like 10 years, 10,000 hours, more than 10 years you know, more than 10,000 hours. So it's, it's, I think that it has to do with perspective too, of like, you know, what are you committing to and and are you putting the time in and, and yeah. And I think that it comes down to love, like for me, you know, but it is, it is more soul crushing to be rejected for my, for my screenwriting than it is for business. Yes. Yes. The vulnerability level is way fucking higher. And like, that's, that's real. And the rejection, the rejections are constant. I mean, it's just how many can we collect as creatives all the time? Yeah. Yeah. That might might be my goal for the year is like, how many rejections can I collect? No, Um, for real. I think it's so important to make friends with no. When I had at my event, we had this like whole no dance where like everybody's just running around the room, like trying to sell each other random crap and everybody's job was to say no. And when you got a no, people would like dance around and be like, woo! Like they'd be all excited. (laughs) had a really good time. <laughs> That's such a good exercise. Are you going to do another event? I am. I am. I'm, I'm not totally solid about the dates yet, but I like biggest dream that I still have is to be primarily an event business. Like I love the idea of doing what I do, but from stage, like combining what I do with the elements of what I used to do um, and what I still have in me to do. Like I have this vision for like a personal development event that may or may not have anything to do with business that um, Tony Robbins does this thing at his events called priming where I, what, weren't you at funnel, ha- funnel hacking live when he was there? Yeah. You, I walked have- out like halfway through his thing though. Oh, okay. So you probably missed his thing where like at the end, everybody, like he had this like guided meditation and at the end, like everybody was just yelling at the top of their lungs. Like, and he had us like thinking about all these stuff that we're grateful for and I was like imagining when my kids were born when I got married and I was just so joyful 
and it, and he's just like he just has you like let out this yell at the end and it was like the most cathartic wonderful feeling in the whole wide world and I just thought wouldn't it be cool if I could like compose original music and do like a version of this that's like singing instead of yelling where like the whole audience is full of people like planted who like learned this melody that's like this call and response and everybody's like singing at the top of their lungs like how cool would that be so I'm still kind of playing with that idea but that's that's a fun little I mean I wouldn't call it a goal but it's like a fantasy of mine I love it can I now I want to be at your event <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. I want to be so your fun. event and I want that to happen I know I know because I feel like everybody has a little well maybe not everybody but a lot of people have a side of them that really just wants life to just spontaneously become a musical and I feel I'm like one I of those I'm one of those people Good. I feel like I could create that for you so I'll get right on it <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people and I know I'm not the only one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Cause like, where do we get that kind of drama in life? That's like actually healthy. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. That's yeah. the whole thing right there, yeah. Brittany. Yeah. And like, I, you know, for you, for better or worse, Tony Robbins, like he knows how to put on a show, you know? And I think that's really why he's been so successful. And I too know how to put on a show. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, so if I can just figure out how to like, you know, put that all together, then that will be like my great, my magnum opus, so to speak. That's the second time I've heard that term today. Really? Yes. Today? Yes. I don't know that I've ever actually said that term out loud. <laughs> Fascinating. I'm just shocked. I'm like, why are you the second person that said that today? I know. I think you need to like go in a room and like light some candles and think about that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Get out your journal. I'll be like, what is it? What is and I'll be like, thing? it wasn't my choice. I'm not owning my personal responsibility here. It's <laughs> Spirit and Brittany. And that's all that I got. <laughs> you have to let me know how that pans out. <laughs> oh, I will. I will for sure let you know. And potentially all you listeners who are still listening to this conversation that Brittany and I could be having literally forever. Um, <laughs> Brittany, thank you so much for your time today. This was so fun. I feel like we'll have to do a follow-up episode at some point in the future when your event is selling. <laughs> yes, please. yes, please. I'll have to actually like make myself do it instead of just talking about it. Accountability right here. You got, you got it. <laughs> okay. Jamie will haunt my dreams. I, I, that is actually probably going to happen. You'll probably have a dream about me tonight now at your yes. event where, you where I magnum opus where I'm in the crowd cheering and you see like <laughs> faceless people, but then just my face and <laughs> Can't wait for your dream. Can't wait to hear all about it. No, okay, uh, thank, that's great. <laughs> thank you so much for, for your being here, for sharing all, just for being transparent. I really feel like it's so fun to, to bring people on and just have really honest fucking conversations about what really goes on as entrepreneurs. So, yes. um, and creatives and you are both of those things. So I appreciate you and I think you're fucking awesome. And thank, thank you so you. much. And thank where you. should I send people to stalk you? Oh, where should you stalk me? Uh, Facebook, Facebook, my, my page is just called Brittany Bullen. That's where I do most of my shenanigans and everything else I do is navigatable to from there. Wonderful. Wonderful. I will send them your way on Facebook. Send them all. Brittany, thank you so much. This was amazing. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of creatives making money, but don't go anywhere without subscribing. 
Also, I just wanted to mention that ratings and reviews are really a huge help. So if you've connected with this episode or a previous episode, or if something you heard here just resonated with you really deeply or gave you the feels or a huge aha, letting me know with a rating and review really, really makes my day. So I'd so appreciate it and you. Remember, if you're just getting started making money with your creative talents and you're just figuring it out, you're likely going to need a website that helps you sell your products and services. So to learn more about my approach to writing that sells, you can visit thejamiejensen.com slash free training. On this training, I'll walk you through each page of your website and explain what must be there in order to pre-sell clients and customers. This makes it way easier for you to make money. You'll also learn about my signature course, copy that, but of course there's no pressure. All sales of that course help cover the cost of this podcast, but the training is available to you whether you decide to purchase the course or not. If you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives who who check out this podcast, you also can do that. We continue the conversation from these episodes in our private online Facebook lounge. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash group to join the free group. And as always, you can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes, always available at creativesmakingmoney.com. Don't hesitate to head over there now. And as always, create like you mean it.